Babe? Yeah? Why should you never marry a tennis player? Ooh, there's so many reasons. Because, what have you got? Because love means nothing to them. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Welcome to Love Uncovered, a podcast that pulls back the sheets to look at love from different angles. I'm Robin Wilson, and together with my partner, Phil, we're going to chat about some various themes about love. How are you, honey? I'm pretty awesome. You see how I went with a honey instead of a babe today? Ah, yeah. nice job, babe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm diversifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait till the next episode and see what I get called that. Oh, no. Yeah. There are some things that we keep for (laughs) non-podcasting. Well, we'll see. Ratings are king. Oh, that's true. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) We'll see what comes out. You never know. Mm -hmm. So how are you? Doing well. Doing well. How about you? I'm okay. We are continuing on our rom-com theme. Over the last couple of episodes, we spent the evening last night watching uh, You've Got Mail, which is a classic romantic comedy with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would go as far as to call it a romantic comedy, realistically. It's sort of a comedy, but I don't know if I would call it romantic. Yeah. It had its... I guess the very end was romantic. (laughs) Well, I think the idea is it's supposed to be romantic, but I don't find it particularly romantic because it had one of those tropes that I mentioned in our season opener that I hate. Right. Here's two people in in committed relationships um, basically sneaking around behind their partner's back to... To hook up with somebody else. Totally. And it was so annoying because both of those relationships that they were in were completely inconsequential. They added nothing to the story. It was just to sort of give them this, this person that they can, I don't know, chat with or whatever. Like they could have done the same story, but with a best friend and not had them sneaking around on their partners. Yeah. The whole cheating business was not a necessary storyline here. You, you lost, you would have lost nothing on that movie. You know, it was already kind of trash. It wouldn't have been any more of trash had we just skipped that storyline. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was not a fan of the movie overall. The only thing I did think was kind of cool in it is when uh, Meg Ryan would come home after a long day of selling books or whatever. (laughs) um, And she would get home and she would turn on her AOL online, who probably paid a lot of money for that movie to be made. Yeah. Yeah. And she would connect to the internet and you'd hear all the... (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh man, they're on dial-up. She can't wait to get home and check her ICQ or whatever the hell that is. (laughs) I enjoyed that too because it reminded me of when we went. Really? Yeah, I was on dial-up when you and I met on the internet. I guess I probably was as well. I would think so. It was a long-ass time ago. It was, yeah. (laughs) So I also enjoyed that. It gave me happy memories. But a trash movie. Yeah, it was not it was not great. And I thought it was really funny. This is nothing to do with the rom-com aspect of it, but like the whole theme of the movie is like she's this independent bookstore that's being run out of business by this large conglomerate bookseller. And yet she always went for coffee at Starbucks. Yeah. It's like that seems a little incongruent. How dare the large corporate entity <laughs> screw with mom and pop organizations like this? Let's go to Starbucks and talk about it. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> Product placement is king. It is New York City. Are you telling me there's not an independent coffee shop? <laughs> Nowhere. On the Upper West Side, 
Meg Ryan. I mean, there's not because Starbucks has driven them all out of business. Probably, yeah. It's true. <laughs> Blame Tom Hanks. Yeah, exactly. For everything. <laughs> <laughs> so that was part of our day yesterday. The other part was you took me on a very romantic date to uh, our bank. Yes, banking dates. That's that's the new inspiration point. But the inspiration in this case is financial solvency. <laughs> Which I appreciate. <laughs> it's It's got its merits. There's no doubt about that. I will admit, though, that like mm, we were there for over an hour trying to get sort of our, all of our... I don't know, money stuff in order. <laughs> and it took about maybe five minutes for my eyes start to glaze over and I was paying zero attention because that's how I operate in financial situations. Yeah, any financial conversation. Essentially, yeah, you're pretty much out of it in a couple of minutes. I have to get the bullet points up like real quick <laughs> in these conversations or I've lost you. Yeah, and I mean, it's not, uh, you do your best trying to explain to me exactly what we're doing at the bank and, and why it's important that we're there. I think I get the gist of it, but for the most part, it just really goes over my head. <laughs> well, that's why we're a good pair, because it does not go over my head and I'm actually interested in it. So, And I am very thankful for that. And that kind of brings us to our topic today. When we were sitting in that bank waiting for our uh, bank lady... Yeah. We decided that talking about money is probably a good topic for our podcast today. Yeah, for sure. I think it's probably the number one issue that people have in their relationships. Not probably. I'm sure it is number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a stat that uh, over a third of couples say that it's their biggest point of contention. Wow. I'm actually surprised it's only a third. Me too. I was surprised about that as well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's one of those things that can be very, very contentious and it's not like a, like our last episode was on mental health, something that people don't like to talk in public about or with other people about. I think right on its heels as another awkward conversation that people don't like to have uh, openly is is about finances. Nobody likes yeah. to talk about how they do deal with their money and their finances and their bills and all those kind of things. For it's sure. very taboo for some reason. Yes. So come to the Love Uncovered podcast where we tackle all of your awkward conversations. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want to know what we're going to talk about next episode. <laughs> like in our relationship, I had mentioned that, you know, when we go to the bank, my eyes glaze over. And that's not an exaggeration. I am basically like a 50s, a 1950s housewife. Yeah, except for the cooking part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like you control all of the money, which sounds really bad. Like No, when no, I, it sounds good. When I explain it to people, I'm like, yeah. Phil controls all of the money. He has all of the bank accounts and he gives me an allowance every week. (laughs) (laughs) We can negotiate if you need a larger allowance. (laughs) It sounds terrible, but I mean, it works for us because I, I'm not good with money. Um, I never had really great role models for money when I was growing up. So um, you're exactly the opposite. And I trust you enough to say, yeah, I, I trust you to take care of me and to ensure that that you're taking care of us and our future. Right. And when, and when we say, I think it, we're probably giving the wrong impression when we say, <laughs> I'm in control of everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, not exactly like that. I mean, you have access. You have, your, you have a bank card. You have a MasterCard. You have um, access to the accounts totally. online. Everything. I could clear out the accounts if I wanted to. Please don't. <laughs> 
but uh, you just don't have the interest to deal with moving money around, paying the bills, doing that kind of stuff, you know, trying to make RSP contributions, all those kind of things. You don't really care about, you don't care about how the investments work or whatever. That's just my job to do. So, I mean, it's, you have access to stuff, but you just show no interest in it. That's more accurate, I think. Yeah, I think that's very accurate. For sure. Like, you're not giving me a weekly stipend of, you know, $20 or extra if I do chores. Like, that's not how our relationship oh, works. Oh, can, <laughs> no. can I get some chores no, done for an no. extra 20 like, That's not how our relationship works. Yeah. <laughs> I, got a, I got a list now. Too late, man. You gave me a credit card. Like, <laughs> that ship has sailed. I didn't give you a credit card. That <laughs> bank gave you a credit card. <laughs> so how did you get to be so good with money? Is it just come natural for you? Um, I think I have, um, you know, a really, a drilled in level of cheapness from my parents that that's, that's where it all comes from. Uh, we grew up, you know, my dad grew up in a time where times were tight and, and, you know, mul- lots of kids in the family and not a lot of money and not a lot of work in England. Uh, and so some of that rubs off on me and my parents were always very much, you know, thinking about the future and how to spend their money wisely. So all those spending habits that I have that are good ones, they pretty much come from there. Um, and then the way they split up their money was always just one pot, right? So um, they didn't ever have their own separate accounts. They just, uh, everything went into one pot and all the bills got paid from that and they were just a team. So, which is kind of how we do it now. We don't separate things either. Right. And it, I know when we started dating, it was amazing to me because like I grew up in the exact opposite my parents did not save. They had no money sense whatsoever. If they wanted something, they bought it. Now, they didn't really have a lot of credit cards, so it's not like they racked up a lot of debt, but they never had anything in savings. They did not plan for the future. There was no forethought in how they were spending their money at all. It was like, I want it. Sure, let's buy it. And so that was the mentality that I grew up with. And so when we started dating, I remember you had a book in your closet, like on banking and money and how, how to spend money and how to invest money. And I was like, who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was a book on personal finance and I, and I actually got that from my parents. So, uh, I don't remember what age it was, but on one year on my birthday, um, that's what they gave me is this book on personal finance. And and I look back on it now and I go, well, for me now, it's a very, very basic book. Mm -hmm. But at the time it was a whole bunch of things that I'd never had to deal with. And I, and it really helped me understand how to deal with money, how to save money, and why it's important to do those things. Uh, and you you just never really had that, right? Yours yours was very much, um, you know, like a turnkey household, right? You just spend money. Money comes in. Money goes out. Money goes out. If more yeah. money comes in, more money goes out. Mm-hmm. That's the end of it. Mm-hmm. So, whereas wow. like, I, re- I remember your dad, um, you know, in his late 50s was telling me he's just starting to contribute to an RSP. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, holy smoke, this is so different than my family. <laughs> um Totally, because on the flip side, when we started dating and you had told me that you already have an RSP that you're contributing to, I was like, why are you thinking about that right now? You're in your 20s. <laughs> <laughs> it's a retirement fund. You, you worry about it when you retire. When you retire. <laughs> <laughs> We've come a long way, babe. We sure have. <laughs> but it's kind of funny because like my spending habits when we met were like I was very cheap. I was probably a little bit too far the cheap end of things where, you know, and I didn't like spending money on too much stuff. And now I've kind of come a little bit closer to the middle mm-hmm. as far as like, let's go enjoy our, you know, the money we earn. We should actually enjoy it now while we're young enough to do it. Mm-hmm. And you've kind of come the other way to, 
having some financial, you know, responsibility as well. So Well, more so I just let you be responsible for it. Like, well, let's be honest. And realistically, when I say the middle, we're probably more like 80% towards my side and <laughs> you've had to <laughs> yeah. move a lot more than I did. Yes. Thankfully, we do not live like my parents. <laughs> but you had mentioned that like your parents, all of our money sort of goes into one pool. We have one account, all of our money goes into it, all of our expenses come out of it. We have, we don't really have anything separate and haven't we created this joint account before we were even married. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when we met, I had a full-time job that paid pretty well and you were working kind of part-time hours at a hotel. Yeah, yeah. Our income was quite different. It was. And really is, has always been quite different, right? Yeah. So, you've always made substantially more than me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, never more so than, you know, this almost seven years you were upgrading and going to school and mm-hmm. that kind of thing where there was like literally no income from mm-hmm. your side, right? Um, so I, how could you run a household with splitting the expenses if one person doesn't have an income for seven years? Right. So for us getting together as early as we did in our lives, you know, mid twenties, um, it, it only made sense for us to put everything in one pile. Yeah. And I mean, it, it also makes sense if that's how you grew up and saw things, right? For me, basically with my parents, they taught me everything that I didn't want to do in a relationship. And so it worked well that your parents had a shared account and that worked well. My parents had separate accounts, did not work well. So we went with the way that you knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, age probably has something to do with that as well, right? I mean, obviously our financial situations at that time, we're starting out a, a life together. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us, you know, have humongous assets or anything like that. It's not like we're coming to the table with half a million dollars each or something and you just... You know, you want to keep things separate, right? <laughs> no, so, we were not coming with that much money. <laughs> <laughs> no, most definitely not. Uh, half a dollar would be probably closer. <laughs> but I think the older you get, that maybe that might change, right? Like my parents now, like, my, well, my, I mean, my mom died years ago now. Mm-hmm. So when my dad got remarried um, to someone else who also had a spouse die, um, you know, they now keep their expenses separate. And I think that makes a lot more sense when you're older and you're on your, you know, if you're on your second marriage and you're older right. in life or whatever, now you're both coming to, to the table with uh, possibly a vastly different um, amount of assets. And those assets should be turned, turned down to your kids, your own kids, right? Instead of putting it all back in one pile and making a jumble of it again, because a lot of times if you have kids and a family, um, you know, you have a responsibility to leave those assets to them instead of somebody else's kids. Right. Because obviously uh, in most marriages, I think when one spouse dies, they leave everything to the other spouse. Yeah. Generally I would say. And in a second marriage, that's not super fair if you come at it with your own children. No, but that can definitely be a reason why you would combine versus not combine. It's different stages of life. Mm -hmm. Totally. And there are certainly some, some benefits and some challenges to both sort of pooling all of your money into one joint account or keeping them separate. Um, We did a Twitter poll, uh, and as of this recording, what we found, we had asked people how they manage their household finances. And uh, 44% of respondents have a completely combined account, totally combined. Uh, Only 14% had totally separate accounts, and then 42% did a bit of both. So a little bit, they have one joint account and then they each have their own separate accounts. And I think that's really good because it shows that it's entirely different per couple. Like everything, people are different and you need to navigate what what works well for your relationship. 
and how you want to navigate that. But there are certainly benefits and challenges to each. Right. I think simplicity is probably the the big one for me when it comes to combining everything. You just don't have to worry about splitting everything all the time. Yeah, it's easier for it, sure. It is. Uh, you know, <laughs> the problem with that is that if you have one person that always feels like they're on the short end of the stick uh, financially, then that can be a problem. But I, I can only really speak for us. Like we, we've been together a long time now. We're, we don't have any intention of not being together at any point in our lives. But um, I don't know. We've just always looked at it as, as, a, as a team and whatever, you know, we, we put everything in one pile and, and let's, let's just, uh, you know, we're building something together here. So. Right. Exactly. And I like, um, I like a lot of what you said there. I mean, first off, definitely one of the benefits of a shared account is that simplicity. You don't have to track who's bringing money in, who's taking money out, where it's all going, figuring out who's paying for what. It all just comes from this one big pile. Hopefully big pile. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. One randomly sized pile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think having that shared account, um, like you talked about coming at it from a team, like you're not sort of holding it over the other person. But I think having that shared account can also create trust and transparency, right? Because you know the money that you have, you know where it's going, you know who's taking out what. You don't have to worry that there's someone's hiding something, right? So it creates a bit of that transparency. A hundred percent agree with that. The (laughs) transparency thing is big because I think you nailed it right on the head there is that that transparency builds trust. Um, And so one of the downsides I would see with um, combining everything is that you also are at the whim of somebody else kind of taking advantage of that too, right? Like you can get cleaned out if if it's a, you know, somebody's decided to pick up a gambling habit or something, you know, or... Or, or even if like a, the relationship sort of going down a rocky road, and you think you're going to leave, right? You can or take all the money Or somebody has drug issue, there. or something like that. You know, I mean, there's a number of things that could possibly happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you could wake up one day and just find the whole account decimated, and and you're both ruined, right? So there's a little bit more safety in separating, I guess. Yeah, it definitely provides safety and security. Right. Um, going back to speaking of my parents. The reason that my mom liked to keep her own account was, I think, a, a security reason. Her first marriage, my mom's first marriage, was an abusive relationship as well. Her first husband was very abusive to her. So I think she liked to keep that extra nest egg just in case. Yeah, the, Even kind though, of that uh, run money, right? If you need right, to make a for run sure. for it and get the hell out of Dodge, you've got something to kind of help you... you do that. Totally. And even though there was no risk of that with my dad, my dad never would never even consider that. Um, I think she was just kind of holding on to those old feelings of worry and what if, and I need to keep this just in case. Not only did she have her own separate account, but she kept pockets of money squirreled away in the house. So she had one little hiding spot that she told me about and she had another little hiding spot that she told my sister about, but I didn't know about my sister's hiding spot. And my sister didn't know about ours. Just in case, I guess. <laughs> if we yeah. were going to steal her money, we couldn't steal it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, it makes you wonder, like, how many little spots in the house are, is there money stashed that we, you know, <laughs> you might know about some, but like, where any container you might open in a cupboard or something, like, well, you're going to find a hundred bucks here, two hundred there. Like, in an emergency situation, how would she actually be able to? Like, 
gather up all that? Would she even remember where it all is? Well, and she had, like, that was her plan. Like, that's why we each knew one hiding spot, because that way, if she couldn't get to it, I could say, oh, well, mom kept money hidden here. And my sister could say, oh, well, mom kept money hidden here. And everyone knew one hiding spot. And so if we all came together, we would find all of the money. Right. And I, and I think that... She was an evil genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could imagine how, you know, if somebody was feeling like they don't have their own mm-hmm. finances at all, and they're always reliant on their husband, who may or may not be a very good person, I can imagine where you'd want to, you know, kind of squirrel away $20 here, $20 there, just in case money, right? Right. And even, like, we're going down sort of a worst case scenario, but even without that... Some people, it's really important to have that financial independence, just to be able to have that independence for themselves, as well as sort of a pooled money, which is, I think, why a lot of people do sort of the, a bit of both and have the joint account as well as their own separate accounts. Well, I think it's also, there's probably something to be said about how nice it is to just not have somebody looking over your shoulder at everything you purchase mm-hmm. all the time. So I think... Having a little petty cash laying around is not a bad plan either, as far as I'm concerned. But I can totally see that, you know, having some untrackable funds at your disposable to just kind of do whatever if you right. you don't want to have to explain every nickel you spend. <laughs> I, I completely get that too. Yeah, for sure. Like when we're Christmas shopping, there's always a around Christmas where it's like, don't look at the MasterCard bill. <laughs> I bought something for you. Don't check. But, you know, sort of, I think one of the challenges of separate accounts is sort of the opposite of how I said shared accounts can create that trust and transparency. Um, I think a separate account can almost do the opposite. If you don't have a super trusting relationship, it's very easy to get away with a lot of those sort of secret purchases. You could not know that I'm racking up my own account because it's so easy to hide nowadays with online purchases and Um, online bank statements and all that sort of thing. So you would have no idea what's going on, which is actually, there's a name for it. It's called financial infidelity when you're sort of hiding those expenses or you have a secret account, that sort of thing. Or somebody's, you know, you know, squirreling away some money and gambling and, you know, these kind of things. And, you you know, pulling money, like I've heard story about people pulling money out of their RSPs Mm -hmm. and gambling it away before the spouse has even figured out what's gone on. Mm -hmm. Like, God, that's got to be a horrible thing to deal with. Right. I'm glad we don't have to deal with that. No, we do not. We do not. And I think with sort of regardless of how you how you separate your money or how you pool your money together, uh, one of the challenges is sort of trying to reduce or eliminate any resentment that comes from that. Because I think in most relationships, it's safe to say that one partner will earn more than another. And so... It's important when you're in that situation, which I think, as I said, a lot of us are, you certainly make more money than I do and always have, to not sort of hold that over one another. Like, oh, well, I paid for this, so it's your turn. Well, how come I have to pay double? Or how come you're spending so much when you don't make as much as I do? Which I think, sort of like we discussed in our last episode with the back rubs, it can be really easy to get down to follow that trail of keeping score. Yeah, the scorecard can be troublesome in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Let's be honest. I mean, at the end of the day, you probably want to both go on the same vacation. And if one of you can afford it and the other can't, you know, there's a lot of awkwardness that can come up from, you know, one person can afford to go on a nice holiday and then the other person wants to stay at the, the cruddy motel mm-hmm. in the back alley, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's something to to consider how to navigate when you're in that, if you're in that situation, because you don't want that resentment to build. It's more about communicating with each other. 
And I think regardless of how you split your money or share your money, um, good things or bad things can happen. You can build the trust or you can erode the trust. I think the money is almost a placeholder for anything else that can happen in a relationship, whether it's trust or resentment or uh, a power dynamic or a feeling of needing independency or safety. That money is just sort of a lightning rod to bring all of that to the front. And I think a lot of it depends on how you look at your relationship. So if you look at the relationship as me plus you in a relationship, or if you look at it as us, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think how you come at it, like if you come at it me plus you, that creates, there's always a division in that relationship, right? It's my money, it's your money. Whereas if you look at it as it's our money, then it doesn't matter if you're bringing in twice as much as I am. Your money is my money and my money is your money. We share everything equally. And so it's about equity and having that trust and respect for each other, I think. Right. Well, we're living a combined life, so I don't mm-hmm. see why that wouldn't include finances. So, mm-hmm. And I mean, the main thing, as we say every every episode, the most important thing is to communicate with your partner. So like talk to each other. If your partner is spending too much on Amazon, you could sit down and have a conversation. Or you had mentioned almost sort of having like a, a budgeting date where you kind of get together and look over, we look over our MasterCard statement and look at what we've spent over the month and sort of talk about how that is and if that's feasible and if we need to make any changes for the month ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the single biggest thing that I appreciate is, you know, every couple of months, two, three months, four months, whatever it is, uh, let's grab the MasterCard statement and just have a look and see what we are spending and, uh, you know, if if we're spending too much in one area or another. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Uh, you know, how, how can you fix a problem if you don't know what the problem is? And right. so you need to figure out where your issue is if you're spending too much. Yeah, yeah. And that's important. But I think the other part of that equation, I think, is having that, uh, you know, periodic, not just look at your expenses versus income kind of thing, but your overall game plan and get on the same page with, uh, you know, retirement incomes and that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. like where you're at, how much money do you want to put in an RSP? Can you afford to put anything in RSP? These kind of things. Like, let's get on the same page planning wise for, for the future. So we, we both can end up in the same spot when we want to retire. Right. Even if getting on that same page just looks like I trust you to do the best for us. That's how we're getting on the same page. It's not necessarily we each have an equal say and we sit down and decide this is what we're going to do and what do you think and let's move this forward. In our case, it really just looks like you saying, I think this is the direction we need to go and me saying, yes, I trust you to do what's best. And if there's something that you hate about it, then I would hope you would say, hey, (laughs) no, I hate this idea. (laughs) Yeah. And sort of with that same uh, getting on the same page, it's really important to make decisions together, whether it's like we're looking at buying a fridge. So we talk about making those major purchases and what that looks like. But even if it's just I'm buying something online and I ask you if you need anything. It's not me saying I'm buying this, it's okay, but it's me saying I'm buying this just so you know, do you need anything as well? So I'm letting you know that that purchase is being made. Well, I think it's a lot easier to head off potential flashpoints than it is to deal with the fallout from them. So I think the important thing is the communication angle, right? And and if somebody has uh, issues with what's going on financially, then the sooner you say something about it, the better. Yeah, yeah. And it's not even just about issues. It's just about having that clear communication of this is what I'm spending my money on. And then there are times where you've said, 
do you need another bag? Like, okay, sure. You're like, you've never told me don't buy that purse. Right. But I will very gently suggest that you don't need another purse. But you have those conversations. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes I'll say, yeah, you, maybe you're right. And sometimes I'll go, no, no, but I really do need this purse. Yeah. But this one's <laughs> nice. Look at the strap on that one. <laughs> so it's a conversation. <laughs> it is. And then I think one of the most important things, which we've already kind of talked about, but I just want to touch on it again, is to eliminate any power dynamic in that relationship because you are, we are a team and in a relationship you should be partners and you're in this together. Um, that's Charlie saying hello if you can hear him meowing in the background. As always, he <laughs> likes to be heard. But it's really important that you see each other as a team, like your partners, you're part of a team and not one person who brings in more than another. Right. And is that something that you think about as, as the person who has basically always been making less money? I don't because you've never, you've never made a big deal about it. It's never been something that you've ever made me feel bad about. So I knew that when I was in school for six, seven years and bringing in zero income, you never made me feel bad about it. You never made me feel like this is my money, so you better watch how you're spending it. That's because I assume at one point you're going to be super rich and <laughs> I'm going to be not working. Bringing in that social work data. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've definitely always wanted to be one of those kept husbands whose wife <laughs> makes like three times as much as I do. And it's like me working is pointless because you just make so much money. I think that ship has sailed, honey. You can't get on that for me? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I'll yeah. do my best, but don't don't count on it. Because I know I hear about these these stories about how men apparently, you know, are emasculated by that, but I would love to give that a try. <laughs> I'm here for it. All right. <laughs> I'll see what I can do, but don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is your chance to weigh in. Do you keep separate finances or do you just make a big old pile of money and roll around in it? <laughs> Let us know. You can find us on Twitter at love underscore uncovered. Robin's at Medusa Beth and you're going to find me at Bacon Hound. Yeah. So if you do keep separate accounts, how do you decide who pays? And do you have to pay each other back if one sort of runs out of funds earlier in the month? Because we don't do that. I'm super curious to find out how it works in your relationship. Our catchy theme song is supplied by Our Good Wolf, and you can hear more from them at ourgoodwolf.bandcamp.com. And if you like what we do, you can subscribe to Love Uncovered anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. We're on Spotify now as well, so check us out there. Uh, and we'd really appreciate it if you left a review because it does help more people find us. So thank you for that. Until next time. We are indebted to you for listening. Oh, very funny. Ha, <laughs> ha,